Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of the lineup called Old Woman Strangled. It first aired on December 27, 1951. Ladies and gentlemen, by transcription, we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city. Where under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. This is the lineup. That is all you have to do, Sidney. Here, sit down. It'll only take a few minutes. We want to see if you can identify the man in the park who walked past the bench where you and your girl were, that's all. We picked up someone who fits the description you gave us. Oh, yes, sure. Well, like I said, Lieutenant, uh, Gloria, my girl, that is, uh, was repairing her lipstick when this guy sauntered by. Boy, imagine me putting a finger on a murderer. Hold it, Sidney. Just look and listen, huh? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identification, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. The officers who took your name will assist you. They're seated among you. Oh, wait till I tell the guys in the block about this, huh, Lieutenant? Your identification. When the prisoners leave here, they are sent to the bathroom and dressed back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back after they leave here. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice. So do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. All right, boys. All right, let's move. This way, over to the end of the stage. That's it. Now turn and face the front. Hands to your sides. Look straight ahead. Number one, Charles Hutzer, assault. Why were you fighting, Charles? For self-defense, he said he wished I was dead. Talk up, Charles. It was self-defense, he said he wished I was dead. Witnesses say you started it, Charles. Big witnesses are talking about liars. His money. Number two, Maurice Calder, drunk and disorderly on private property. Where do you live, Maurice? It all depends on the weather. Why did you start a disturbance in the theater lobby? I was drunk, I guess. Anyhow, when I got inside, I found out I'd already seen the picture and they wouldn't give him a 40 cents back. Number three, Jimmy Vetter, vacancy. How long have you been in town, Vetter? 61 years, Sergeant. I don't know if I was born here. Yeah, Lieutenant. Have you, uh, like I told you, called him with a nose that's no, flat as a pancake. Sergeant Graham. Uh, yes, Lieutenant. Number three, hold for interrogation. Okay, better right in here. I'll be back in a few minutes, Ben. Okay, man. Come in, better. Sit down over there. Yes, sir. 
We want a few facts, Venner. Early this morning, an unidentified woman of about 60 was found choked to death in the park. A nice-looking unidentified woman of about 60, Venner. Nice-looking until she was strangled. So? So the coroner says she was murdered sometime between 9 and 11 last night. I, I don't get it, Lieutenant. This morning, I'm picked up in an alley sleeping off a snoot food. Now, this was a connection. A kid who was necking in the park last night, not 50 feet away from the dead woman. That's the connection, Venner. A kid who read about the killing in this morning's paper and came in and gave us a description of the man he saw in the park at a little after 11. I still don't get it. I... Well, then try this. The description the kid gave us was a bald man with a nose flat as a pancake who keeps sniffing all the time. That, better is the reason we picked you up. Not for sleeping in an alley. No, no. And just to make it all real tight, five minutes ago, the kid identified you in the lineup. No, no, that ain't so. He, he couldn't have. It was dark there in the parking... Uh, okay, Lieutenant, I was in the park, all right. I might as well save us both a lot of time and tell you the rest. You killed her, Venom? Stick up that got out of hand when she's down at the yell? No, Lieutenant. She was dead when I got there. Could I have a smoke, Lieutenant? Yeah. I was walking through the park, Lieutenant, looking for a good spot to flop for the night when I saw something shiny off in the bushes away. This here house key. I bent down to pick it up. I saw the body. She was dead like a doornail. And there was no one around? You sure of that? Positive. I looked good. Anyhow, I was flat broke, so I went through her pockets. She didn't have no pocketbook. Just a buck and a half and change in a coat. That's all I took, and I beat it. I walked slow past those kids in the vents so they wouldn't be suspicious. That's all, Lieutenant, the truth, so help me. The lineup's finished, Ben. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. Turn Vetter here over to Sergeant Quine, will you, Matt? Gonna hold him on suspicion of murder. Lieutenant, I already told you. Let's go, Vetter. Be right back, Ben. All right. Hi, Becker. Hi, man. Good morning, Lieutenant. Here's the first report on that body in Whitegate Park. Not much. No identification yet, Becker. Mm-mm. And it may be a while. Most of the stuff she was wearing was homemade and home washed, so no labels and no laundry marks. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no record of her prints here or in Washington. Coroner's office is checking on her dental work now. Call you as soon as we get something, Lieutenant. All right. Hey, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, what did Becker have? Does it look like Jimmy Vetter? Maybe, I don't know. He says he was walking through the park, spotted this key, and then the body. Admits robbing it, no more. Mm-hmm. Well, where do we go from here, Ben? Well, until we get something on the body. This key, I guess. Come on, let's check with Harrison on the robbery detail. Get a listing of locksmiths. How's that, Harrison? One thing, the number punched on it, but the locksmith had turned it out. This G-104 here is a local serial number. Mm-hmm. Get the name and address out of the file in a minute. But better than that, the key itself is for a Brasso Dunlap lock. It's pretty rare in this part of the country, so the locksmith may remember who he made it for. <laughs> of course, only Yale or Master Padlock wouldn't stand a chance. Well, don't locksmiths have to keep a record on each key they turn out, Harrison? No, no, Sergeant. Only well, keep a record when they make a key for a specific lock, not when they make a key for a key. Now, let's see who G-104 is. G, S, G, 80, 105, 1, 103, 104. Here we are. 
Carmen Key Shop, 3920 South Clement Avenue. You right with you, Jeff? Fine. Well, cross your fingers, Matt. Hope he's part elephant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, gents, what can I do for you? We're from the police department, Mr. Wallerman. I'm Lieutenant Guthrie. This is Sergeant Greb. We'd like to ask you about a key. Oh? Key I made? Yeah. This key, Mr. Wallerman. Do you happen to know who you made it for? Hmm. Russell Dunlap, huh? Don't often make one of these once, twice a year. It's good luck, all right. But it's... Unusual. Well, what is it, Mr. Wallman? You remember something? Yeah. Bad temper. Sure. About two months ago, officer. Guy with nice clothes and a nice way of talking until he got sore. Yeah, I remember now. Said I took too long. I was a, a, a blundering idiot. That's it. You know this man's name? Uh-huh. His address? No, I don't. But he does live in the neighborhood. Now, how do you know that? Because I've seen him a couple of three times at Tommy Lowe's place. Tommy runs a Chinese hand laundry over the next block. This bird must be a customer of his. What does this man look like? Oh, he's kind of tall, thin face, sharp nose, but don't worry. Tommy Lowell will know him, officer. Just mention his temper. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, no man you speak of very well. Uh, his name, Mr. Leonard Elster. He lived... 105 Duane Boulevard. That's right. Uh, we're from the police department, Mrs. Elsner. I'm Lieutenant Guthrie. This is Sergeant Graham. Well, how do you do? Mrs. Elsner. Uh, Mrs. Elsner, is your husband at home? We'd like to talk to him. Yes, he's inside listening to the radio. Just a moment now, Carl. Oh. Excuse me. Sure. Oh, Let's see if that key fits, will you, ma'am? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works all right, then. Uh-huh. Uh, here's Elsner. Now, Mr. Elsner, I'm Lieutenant Guthrie. This is Sergeant Graham. We'd like a few words with you, please. Very well. Living room is this way, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, uh, Mrs. Elson, if you don't mind, we'd like to talk to your husband alone. Of course. All right, dear. Sit down, gentlemen. Frankly, I'm curious to know what this is about. Do you mind telling me? Well, it's about a woman, Mr. Elson. An elderly, unidentified woman who was found choked to death in the park last night. What? Woman choked to death? I, I don't understand. You want to talk to me about that? That's right. Tell me, Mr. Elsner, did you read about this in the newspapers? No, I haven't seen the paper today. Do you mind telling us what you did last night? I stayed home. All evening, Mr. Elsner? Yes, all evening. Now, what is this all about? Uh, Mr. Elsner, do you uh, recognize this key? Of course. My house key. One just like it. Do you have your house key with you now, Mr. Elsner? I do. Together with all my keys. Here. How many house keys are there? Uh, for everyone who lives here, I mean. Three, four, five, maybe. I don't know. They're all around. Does the maid have one? She does. 
At least she let herself in with one a few minutes before you arrived. And your wife, Miss Delson, she has a key, of course. Of course. Now, look here, enough of this. Why all these stupid questions about house keys? What, if anything, do they have to do with the woman who was strangled in Whitegate Park last night? Well? Well, this key was found near the body, Mr. Elsner, and there were signs of a struggle. Which could mean that whoever killed the woman dropped this key. Your key. But I have my house key. I just showed it to you. There. And I'm sure my wife does, too. And what about extra keys? Are they around? I couldn't say. House keys are famous for getting lost, Lieutenant. Did you ever lose one since you've been in this house? Yes, yes. About two or three months ago. Where'd you lose it? Here, at home, in the street? I don't know. It wouldn't be lost if I did. Leonard, Leonard, darling, your temper, please. Control yourself, please. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I, I'll be glad to answer your questions. Uh... Carol, you'd better leave it there. No, that won't be necessary, Mr. Elsner. Now about last night. You say you were here? Yes. Carol here went to Bazaar. Uh, what was it again, dear? The Woman's Auxiliary of the North Point Country Club. I'm chairman. We're raising money to build a new clubhouse next spring. Mm-hmm, I see. Mr. Elsner, did you have any callers last night? Any visitors of any kind? Yes, I did. Can you remember them specifically? I think so. There was the newsboy who was making his weekly collection about uh, nine, I'd say. Uh, for what paper, Mr. Elson? The Evening Star. And uh, anyone after that, Mr. Elson? Two people. Uh, along about ten, a delivery boy from the liquor store, a king. He brought two bottles of scotch. At ten-thirty, a friend of my wife dropped in looking for uh, Ruth Millard. She lives at the park, Netherlands. Stayed about twenty minutes. We watched a television show together, a quiz show called Number, Please. A Brooklyn housewife won the jackpot. Some question about Steinmetz. Lennon? And gentlemen, at uh, 11, I had a long-distance person-to-person call from a Mr. Saul Meadow. Toy jobber in Des Moines, Iowa. I manufacture toys. Now, is there anything else? No, sir. Uh, not right now, anyway. We'll be in touch. Good night, Mrs. Elsman. Good night. Good night, Sergeant. Good night, ma'am. Good night, Mr. Elson. Good night. <sighs> you know, Matt, Mr. Elson said he didn't read about the killing in the paper. So? So I'd like to know how he knew it happened in Whitegate Park. We never mentioned the park by name. CBS brings you an exciting, timely appraisal of the world situation and some of the answers when ten top CBS correspondents are heard in a special broadcast entitled The Challenge of the Fifties, Years of Crises. For the past month, these famous CBS reporters have been interviewing world leaders. On next Sunday's broadcast, you'll hear on special recordings what these leaders predict. Edward R. Murrow will be the moderator. Don't miss this unusual, significant broadcast, The Challenge of the Fifties, Next Sunday afternoon on most of these same CBS stations. Uh, did you get that, Willis? On Walnut, yes. King's Liquor Store. They're supposed to have sent two bottles of scotch to Elsner last night about uh, 10.20. Yeah. 
And get a hold of the newsboy who collects for that route, will you? It's the Evening Star. Yeah, that's right. And uh, put a tracer on a person-to-person call else that claims he got at 11 from a Saul Meadows in Des Moines. Yeah. I want every bit of that alibi check. Right. You know, Ben, personally, I think you're wasting your time. What, checking Elson's alibi? Yeah, yeah, it sounds good to me. Too many people involved to be a phony. Well, we'll see. There's something wrong there someplace, Matt. Well, the key maker backs up Elsinger in his story about losing the key. For my money, you're reaching quite a ways to tie a well-to-do guy like Elsinger into a threadbare old lady dead in a public park. Why would he do it, Ben? That's what beats me. Why? Well, you got me. Well, anyway, I'd go easy if I were you. Elsinger's the kind of bird that really blows his lid over a false arrest. In fact, there was... Uh... Come in. Call, Lieutenant. Matt. Hi, Becker. Well, we got an identification on the old lady in Whitegate Park. Good. We traced the shoes. They'd been half-sold lately, and we finally located the shoemaker. A guy away out in the Henning District. He just now identified the body. Well, who is she? Edna Clooney, 4412 Durban Street. That's a walk-up, and it checks out. Who'd you talk to there, Becker? A landlady, a Mrs. Peters. She says Mrs. Clooney's had a room there for about six months. Let's go, man. Notice she was gone today, ma'am? No, I didn't, Sergeant. Sometimes I go a week or more without seeing all my tenants, especially the quiet ones. Now, this is her door here. Ooh. All right. Duffy in here. I'd better open the window. Oh, I wouldn't bother. We won't be here long. Yeah, we just want to look around. Maybe she kept a date book or a diary or something. If she did, it'd be over there in that table with the drawer. Oh, here, huh? She was a nice, sweet woman, Sergeant. One of the best tenants I ever had. It... Oh, it's just terrible. I can't imagine. Now, this picture, who... Mrs. Peters, who is it, do you know? Why, yes, that's her. Oh, my goodness. Now, what's the matter? That's Jim, her son. Why, that boy doesn't even know yet that his mother was... is dead. Is he here in town? Well, as far as I know, he lives over on the south side someplace, works in a mill over there, a stamping mill, I think. You wouldn't know the name then, huh? Could it be uh, McConnell and Lamb? She's got a metal ashtray here and a letter opener, both stamped with the compliments of McClendon and Land, 1024 South Market. Now, let's try it. Now, Mrs. Peters, leave everything just as it is and keep this room locked, will you? We may be back. Jim, out of this noise where we can talk. Go ahead, Jim. I'm Lieutenant Ben Guthrie. This is Sergeant Greb. I'm from the police department, Jim. Police? What do you want with me? No, wait, wait, wait. I'm afraid we've got some bad news for you. It's your mother. We... Mom? What's happened to her? Is she hurt? It's worse than that, fella. She's dead, Jim. Dead? 
It happened last Sunday night. Her body was found in Whitegate Park. Park? But how? She was murdered, Jim. Mom? Murdered? Who did it? We don't know. But maybe you can help us. Just answer some questions. Sure. Go ahead. I'm okay. What do you want to know? When did you see your mother last, Jim? Yesterday afternoon. About one o'clock, I guess. Buddy drove me out to her place. Lieutenant, I don't get this. Mom never went out at night. Oh, maybe once or twice to a movie, but the park, she never went in there. When, uh, when you were with her, did she seem upset about anything? No, not a bit. We just sat around and talked like always. Now, what did you talk about? Anything special? No, the same old things. My job, draft, my gas station. You've got a gas station, Jim? It's not really mine. It's one I'd like to have. It's out on Grand. The guy's going to sell out and retire. He used to talk about me buying it and going into business for myself. I'll never have that kind of money. Yesterday, Mom was kidding around that she was going to borrow the down payment for me. She ran into a wealthy old friend, she said. Now, who was that, Jim? Oh, some guy she knew 25 years ago. He worked for the same company up in Evanston for a while after my dad died. Uh-huh. She hadn't seen this guy since then, but... Well, she ran into him on the street last week and recognized him. She got a big kick out of it. Did she mention his name? Yeah, it um, was Melvin something. Um, Melvin, um, Melvin Berry it was. You know where we can get in touch with him? No. Why do you want him? Well, maybe your mother wasn't kidding about borrowing the money, I mean. Mothers are funny where their kids are concerned, you know. Oh, by the way, uh, did you ever hear of a Leonard Elsner? Lives up on Dwayne Boulevard? What's funny, Jim? But you mentioned that Dwayne Boulevard. Why? What about it? Why, Mom used to go up there quite a bit. She used to take a bus to the library up there and... And what, Jim? I... I think she said that that's where she was, coming out of the library when she ran into this Melvin Berry. Yeah, about 30 minutes ago, Matt. He was on his way down to the file. Oh, okay, thanks. Ben? Yeah, back here, Matt. Oh. Any luck? Yeah. You know, we had to dig back into the dust for this one. Have a look. Melvin Berry escaped from State Penitentiary February 1930. Uh-huh. Evanston had him for embezzlement. Tried and convicted up there in December 1929. Got five years. Oh, Nice-looking guy. Pretty dapper with that mustache. Matt, do you see what I see? Huh? No, I guess not. Well, look. Skip the mustache. Forget it. The eyes, Matt. The eyes. Holy smoke. You weren't wasting your time checking on that alibi after all, Ben. Guthrie. Good. Put him on. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Willis. What? The checks? All of it? You sure? Okay. Okay, Willis. That's all. 
Don't tell me. Yeah, Elson's alibi is airtime. That's almost impossible. But it's a fact. Let's go, Matt. Go where? To the Elson residence, 105 Duane Boulevard. But you just said I that... know what I said. Let's go. Mrs. Elsa? She could never escape it, couldn't she? The more she stood to lose, like wealth and social position, the worse it got until finally... Until finally... Finally, Edna Clooney was murdered. Edna Clooney ran up against a person like that just because she recognized an old friend who had a secret. She didn't know about the secret, but she did want to borrow money. And that's all it took, wasn't it? The killer could only figure one way. Blackmail. Everything was ruined. Suddenly, all the fears and all the suspicions that had been piling up for years broke loose, didn't they? Didn't they? Yes. Carol, don't. Yes. Yes, Lieutenant. I can't take any more. I had to do it. I had to kill her. I knew it from the instant Leonard told me she'd recognized him as Melvin Berry. No other way out. No other way. I left the bazaar... Arranged to meet her in the park. When she said she wanted money, I grabbed her. Choked her. Oh, and I didn't know anything about it. Until you came in with my keys. <laughs> okay. Give her some help, Elsa, until she gets hold of herself. Then we'll all go downtown and put it on paper.
might not. Or before you pass the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. Listen again next week when we again bring you The Lineup. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire of the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, then name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, that is help. The Lineup, starring Bill Johnstone as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie and Wally Mayer as Sergeant Matt Greb, is written by Gene Levitt and Bob Mitchell, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Gil Stratton, Ted Osborne, Parley Bear, Herb Butterfield, Robert Griffin, and Virginia Gregg. The Lineup was transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> postseason football game of the year, the Rose Bowl contest between Michigan and California, will be broadcast next Monday, New Year's Day, over most of these same CBS stations. For action, color, excitement, be sure you're on hand for this great sports event, the Rose Bowl game between Michigan and California. Dan Coverly speaking. This is CBS, where you find songs for sale every Friday night at the Columbia Broadcasting System. Behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city. The Lineup is an American police drama which aired on CBS radio from 1950 to 1953 and on CBS television from 1954 to 1960. The radio version depicted the investigations of Lieutenant Ben Guthrie, played by Bill Johnstone, who was one of several actors to play The Shadow, and Sergeant Matt Greb, played by Wally Mayer until his death in, in December of 1951. He was later replaced by Sergeant Pete Carger, who was played by Jack Moyles, in the police force of an unnamed Great American City. Each story had a lineup, with Mayer giving instructions to the suspects in a bored monotone. Otherwise, this is a fairly typical police drama with stories of the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, and the murderer. Lieutenant Ben Guthrie had a laid-back attitude, while Sergeant Greb was the gruff, impetuous character. Raymond Byrd, Jeanette Nolan, and others were supporting characters. Writers on the show included Blake Edwards, Morton Fine, and David Fr Friedkin. The music was by Eddie Dunsteer, and Jamie DelVal was the producer-director. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.